Welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, we start a new series on questions that you asked several months ago. It's called, I've Always Wondered. Let's listen. A couple of months ago, Pastor David was preaching a sermon, and he told you all that he wanted to hear from you. He told you to send in your questions to one of us. Any questions that you had about God, about religion, or about what we believe as Christians. And while we received a lot of questions, a lot of very good questions, and so out of those questions, we have developed a new sermon series. A sermon series on the ponderings of our faith. The sermon series is called, I Have Always Wondered. Now, David and I are not going to be able to address every question that we received because it was a lot of questions, but we did handpick a few of them, and over the next 11 weeks, we will walk through some of those questions. And just a disclaimer before we dive into this sermon series, these questions that we got, they are hard. They are challenging questions. They are thought-provoking questions about our faith. And so Pastor David and I confess that we do not have all the answers. You are not going to walk out of here with a black and white, this is the answer to the question that you had. But I believe that through this series, we can offer some insight. And I believe that through exploring some of these questions, vocalizing them, then there will be some clarity that rises to the surface. And I believe that exploring them, we will gain a better understanding. So let's take a look at question number one. Question number one, how can I ever fully understand the Trinity? Woof, I told you, these are tough questions. And I have no idea, so we're going to pass on that one. (laughs) We're going to move on. No, we're going to take time to think about this one today. But I told you they are tough. So let's start and explore this question a little bit more by unpacking the nuances and the details of the Trinity. Coincidentally, today is Trinity Sunday. So it's a very appropriate day to talk about our triune God. How timely is that? It's almost as if we planned it or something. As you know, on Trinity Sunday, we rejoice and we celebrate the fact that the God that we love and worship is a triune God. We celebrate the fact that God has three natures, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So on this Trinity Sunday, let's turn to a passage of Scripture that talks about the Trinity. Let us turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. That verse says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In this part of Corinthians, Paul ends his letter to the church of Corinth with a benediction. He says, May the grace of the Lord, the love of God the Father, the power of the Holy Spirit, may these things be with you. It's very similar to the benediction that you hear David and I use at the end of a worship service. This is a very similar benediction to which most Protestant ministers will use at the end of their service. This word benediction, it actually translates as good saying, 
Bene means good. Diction means saying. So benediction is a good saying or it's a good blessing. And with this good saying or good blessing, it tells us what God will do for us. And as Paul writes in this passage, Paul tells us that God will give us his grace through Jesus Christ that God is going to give us his very own love, that God is going to place his spirit within each of us, which is a pretty good blessing to end a service with. It's a pretty good blessing to end a letter with, in Paul's case. What this particular verse also affirms is that God is giving us a holy trinity to walk around with. Christianity is the only religion, the only world faith tradition that possesses this Trinitarian notion. Christianity is the only religion that acknowledges and affirms that God is in fact three persons or three natures or three principles. And this concept of God being three natures has been long debated. This debate dates all the way back to the second century when early Christians, such as Ignatius of Antioch, Polycarp, the Bishop of Smyrna, Athengoras of Athens, and Arrhenius of Lyons, all began writing letters to various churches asserting their Trinitarian beliefs. And they did a great job writing those letters and describing God as three persons. But there wasn't full cohesion. There wasn't this universal acceptance as to how to describe God this way, or what language to use to describe the Trinity accurately. And so the debate continued. It continued into the third century with arguments from Tertullian of Carthage, Hippolytus of Rome, Origen of Alexandria. It continued into the fourth century with Basil of Caesarea. His brother Gregory Nyssa was also involved. This debate spanned hundreds and hundreds of years. And it consisted of many prominent figures arguing and unable to mutually agree on how to describe or understand the Trinity. And this was a heated debate. This was not a friendly argument. This was not a case of let's agree to disagree. This was a big deal in the church world. There are a lot of schisms that developed because of this. People were ostracized because of their Trinitarian beliefs. People were deemed heretics over the language that they used to describe the Trinity. There were bishops that were banished and exiled from their churches because of their Trinitarian beliefs. Finally, in 325 AD, in an attempt to bring an end to this long-debated doctrine, Emperor Constantine called an ecumenical meeting of the churches. This meeting was called the Council of Nicaea. There were 230 church leaders that were present for this meeting. And during this meeting, they considered a vital question to the church. How do we describe and articulate the Holy Trinity? It's very similar to the question that one of you wrote in just a couple months ago. At this meeting, they debated at length what language to use to describe the Trinity. They debated, was God three persons? Or should they refer to each part of the Trinity as three natures, or three aspects, or three principles? They debated at length how to describe the relationship between each part of the Trinity. 
Was God more dominant over the Holy Spirit or Jesus? Or do the three parts, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, work independently of one another? Do they work in unison and in harmony with each other? These were just some of the questions that they wrestled with. There were several other questions that happened at that meeting. This meeting resulted in the establishment of the doctrine of the Trinity. It asserted that there was equality between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It also asserted that Jesus was the only part of the Trinity that became incarnate. In the years to follow, the early church called two more meetings of this nature to discuss the doctrine of the Trinity. And these two meetings took place over another hundred years. And since that point, theologians have still debated this topic. Present day, there still exists confusion. And I believe the reason there has been so much debate and the reason that the Trinity is so hard for all of us to understand is because it's hard for us to conceptualize how someone or something could have three natures that is beyond our human scope of understanding, our human relatability. And as humans, we like to know things. As humans, we like to figure the answer out. We like to solve the puzzle. And so in an effort to understand God and to try and figure out the Trinity, we anthropomorphize God. And I'm going to say that word again, and I'm going to put it on the screen. We anthropomorphize God, meaning that we attach human traits, human characteristics, human behaviors to God so that we can try and understand how God works, how God moves in our lives and in this world, and what God is capable of doing. But we fall short We fall short with our human language and with our human thinking because in all actuality, we can't truly define God. We can't truly conceptualize God. God is beyond our human understanding. And in terms of the Trinity, we fall short there too as we are incapable of truly conceptualizing one God and three natures. And I believe that's why describing And talking about the Trinity is really hard for us to do. I also believe that is why that people have resorted to symbols to understand and articulate the Trinity. Centuries and centuries of people have resorted to symbols to try and find language to describe the Trinity. And so I wanted to share some of those symbols with you this morning. I think in an effort for us to be able to describe the Trinity, that this will be helpful to understand what other people have done. One of those symbols that has been used, it dates back to the Middle Ages, when the fleur-de-lis was used to help describe the Trinity and was viewed as a sacred symbol of the Holy Trinity. You can see with the image of the white fleur-de-lis that you can uh, see the petals at the top and then their sepals at the base. The fleur-de-lis is sometimes referred to as a stylized association or representation of the lily. And with its association to the lily, in the Christian context, it represents purity. More specifically, purity in regards to the Virgin Mary. As the fleur-de-lis is composed of three petals and three sepals, it helps us to talk about the Trinity. But there's also the band at the bottom, and that is believed to symbolize Mary. 
Tradition says that without Mary, you cannot fully understand the Trinity because it was she who bore the Son. Another symbol that has been greatly used to convey the meaning of the Trinity and to help us understand it is the shamrock. A shamrock is a young sprig of clover. It is oftentimes associated with Ireland. St. Patrick, the patron saint of Ireland, is said to have used it as a metaphor of the Christian Holy Trinity. St. Patrick used it to illustrate the doctrine of the Trinity when he was converting people to Christianity during the 5th century in Ireland. The first evidence of St. Patrick using the shamrock in association to describing the Trinity is uh, found on St. Patrick's coppers, or something that's referred to as St. Patrick's half penny. And this is an image of that coin, and with the image on the right, you can see St. Patrick is standing tall. He's preaching over a crowd of people, and he has a shamrock in his hand. Tradition says that he was preaching to this crowd about the Trinity, and he was using the shamrock to help describe the Trinity. In St. Patrick's day and age, and in that particular location, paganism was a very predominant uh, faith tradition. And within paganism, three was a very important number. So St. Patrick had to be very intentional, very specific about language that he used to describe God as a trinity. Another symbol used throughout history to convey the importance of the trinity is the Celtic knot. This symbol gained popularity following the Celtic revival in the 19th century. Modern designers began to display this knot as a standalone design. They said it recalled the shamrock that St. Patrick used. The Celtic knot has been used extensively in the Christian world with Christian stained glass, Christian vestments. I actually have a Celtic knot on this stole, uh, but it's been used all throughout the Christian world. Another common representation of the Celtic knot depicts it with a circle running through each part of the interconnected loops. In this image, you can see the yellow ring running through each loop of the knot. This circle is said to emphasize the unity of the three forces, each flowing into one another. It is also said to symbolize God's love, how God's love runs through each part of the Trinity. Fast forwarding a little bit to our present day world, there was an item that hit the market several years ago. This item is used to entertain our children and to keep them calm. It is called the fidget spinner. <laughs> the fidget spinner can also be used to describe the Trinity as it has three points on it. This is arguably the best use of your fidget spinner to describe the Trinity. <laughs> I will share with you that some of these fidget spinners come with a suction cup on the back of them, and that is so you can entertain a toddler. You can put it on a hardwood floor, you can put it on a window, it'll entertain them continuously. I advise you to not place that suction cup on your forehead. You will end up with a perfectly circular bruise on your forehead. The things we do to entertain our kids in the car. The fidget spinner, as you know, it has those three points that can help us to describe the Trinity. But when you spin the fidget spinner, those three points become one. 
And I believe this helps us to envision the three elements of God working and spinning in our lives. All three exist in harmony and balance. They become one. The last symbol that I'm going to share with you this morning, it relates to the music world. Within the music world, there's something called a chord. A chord in music is any harmonic set of three or more notes that is heard together simultaneously. The basic form of a chord is called a triad, which is created using three notes of a scale. When someone is learning to play the guitar, when they are learning to play the piano, they're playing and learning certain chords, either the A chord, the B chord, or the C chord. But within these chords, there are certain notes, three or more of them. And the easiest illustration that I have for you is this picture. You can see this gentleman has a guitar in his hand. He's trying to teach you how to play the C major chord. And that entails placing your fingers on those three strings or those three notes. And it's with those three notes, once you have strummed the guitar, that you start to hear the C major chord. And as the chord is played, there is this beautiful harmonious sound that is generated. And I believe that that is the best illustration to help us understand the Trinity with. It is this musical chord that really captures the essence of the Holy Trinity. It helps us to wrap our minds around how the Trinity works and operates together as one. There are three different notes that make up one chord. There are three different natures of God, three ways in which God reaches out to us. But there is one God. And when all three natures of God are working in our lives, there is this beautiful, harmonious sound that is generated. If we were to only experience God, we would be missing something. If we only had Jesus' teachings to lead us and guide us, we would be missing something. And if we didn't have the Holy Spirit, we would need more. Just like if we were to only experience two notes in a chord, something would be missing. It would fall flat. It wouldn't be this beautiful sound. Likewise, it takes all three Godheads working together. It takes the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit working together in our lives to lead us, to guide us, to equip us for life's journey. The doctrine of the Trinity may have been mind-boggling, to the early church. And there may have been hundreds and hundreds of years where people debated this doctrine. And it is still pretty mind-boggling for us today. But I believe that these symbols that people have resorted to over the years, they help us. The fleur-de-lis, the Celtic knot, the shamrock, all of these symbols help us to understand, to visualize, to articulate the Trinity a little bit better. And the fidget spinner and the musical chords, will they help us to understand what happens when the Trinity is activated in our lives? When all three natures of God are spinning in our lives like a fidget spinner, or when all three are working together in our lives like a musical chord, that is when we have balance. That is when we have harmony. That is when we have love and grace and compassion Paul's benediction in his letter to the church of Corinth, it was a great reminder to the church about what God had given them. It was a reminder that God had given them the grace of his son, Jesus Christ, 
that God had given him them his very own love and that God had placed his spirit in each one of them. It was a great reminder for them. It is a great reminder for us. The reminder that we have this holy trinity to walk through life with. And that is something we're celebrating and rejoicing about on this Trinity Sunday. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.